Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. And it says this in Acts chapter 8, verse 26. It says, Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Now this introductory verse, we're going to be going to verse 40, is my main text for this morning. It's going to seem a little bit abstract, at least until I get into the message, but this is, this is the substance and this is the point I want to drive home is found in this first verse. Everybody say the first verse. It says, now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip saying, arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert, the Bible says. Everybody say, this is a desert. This is desert. So he arose and he went. I wonder how many of you would get up and listen to the instruction without more details than the fact that this angel just spoke to him and said, I want you to get up, Philip, and I want you to go down to this road with no other specifications other than the fact that this is desert. Say, this is desert. And so he arose and he went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority, under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had a charge of all, who had charge over all her treasury. He was the, he was the treasurer. He kept her money. And had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning and sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah, the prophet. So in the, in the Bible, he was reading Isaiah. And then the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, everybody say the Holy Spirit. The Spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake the chariot. So he jumped in front of this chariot and he stopped the chariot. And so Philip ran to him and heard the reading of the prophet Isaiah and said, do you even understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless I have someone to guide me? And he asked Philip, to come up and sit with him. And the place in the scripture which he read was this. He was led, it was speaking of Jesus, he was led as a sheep to the slaughterer and as a lamb before its shearer is silent. And so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare to his generation? For his life is, taking from the, is taken from the earth so when the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask of you, whom does this prophet say this of? Is it himself or some other man? And so Philip opened his mouth and beginning at the scripture, he preached Jesus to him. And now as they went down the road or this desert road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, here is some water. What hinders me from being baptized? And so Philip said, you got to take a new members class first. He said you had to take three beginners courses before you get baptized. No, he didn't say that. He said, Philip said, if you believe with all of your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. And so he commanded the chariot to stand still and both Philip and the eunuch went down to the water and he baptized him. 
And now when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught Philip away. That's interesting. And so the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Azotus. And passing through, he preached in all the cities until he came to Caesarea. You may have your seats. I want to read this opening verse of Scripture again. Can I do that? It says, Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise, go toward the south along the road, which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. Everybody again say, this is desert. I'll show you what the Lord highlighted to me these past couple of weeks. Before I do that, I want to say to you that if you have decided to walk with the Lord, young or old, doesn't matter what age you are, I want to commend you. I want to pat you on the back. However, if you are like me in many ways, a person who needs to make sense of everything that God asks you to do, you will live in constant frustration. Come on, I, I at least deserve one amen. Not everything that God tells me to do makes complete sense, at least not in the beginning. As a matter of fact, almost everything that God does makes little sense at first. Say amen. amen. And, but the problem is that God knows exactly what we don't know, and he sees things that we cannot see. He has a vantage point that our human eyes do not have. God has spirit eyes. Say he has spirit eyes. And so he approaches situations and circumstances much, much different than a human, a human being approaches them. There are some weird examples that I, I had, maybe not weird, but just some examples of God doing things in the earth that doesn't make sense as it relates to the Bible. I'm sure you can probably think of some things that's going on in your life that just doesn't make sense. I'm sure there's a certain difficulty that you're going through even right now that doesn't make sense. Maybe you're going through a health issue. Maybe you're dealing with a difficult spouse. Maybe God told you to marry somebody that you're having a struggle with staying married to and that just doesn't make sense. Maybe you're working at a career that seems like it has a dead-end road uh, connected to it, and, but you know that the Lord blessed you with this job. He's opened this specific door, but there's something going on more than likely in all of our lives that doesn't make sense. Even if you don't have anything personally going on, it doesn't take long before you look around the United States of America and the globe and say to yourself, this doesn't, doesn't make sense. He empowered a young shepherd boy by the name of David, a little scrawny little boy. The Bible describes him as little. As a matter of fact, when Samuel the prophet, if you know your Bible, where are my theologians at? I know there's a few of you in here that are critiquing my, my theology this morning. At least there's one or two of you that approaches me at the end of service. But if, if you follow the scripture, Samuel was a prophet. Say he was a prophet who anointed David. And David has several brothers and God wants to make one of these guys a king. But David is the youngest of the bunch, kind of like me and my brothers. I'm the youngest of four. So they call all the brothers. The father brings all the brothers to Samuel the prophet to get one of them anointed as king. And Samuel the prophet says, not you, not you, not you, not you. None of these guys. Do you have any others, other sons that, uh, that are not here? And he says, yeah, but it's just David. David's taking care of sheep. 
The short story is, is that this makes absolutely no sense in the logical mind, in the human mind. God anoints this little boy named David, King David. He anoints this little boy to, to fight this nine-foot giant, not with a sword, not with a gun, but just a few stones in a sling. God chooses people. Don't you know some Christians in your life like, Lord, why did you choose? Because God doesn't choose the way that man does. God looks at the inward heart. So God does things that just doesn't make sense. He chose 12 men that didn't make any sense to choose. They had no theological background. Some were zealots. Some were fishermen. They were unlearned men. If I were God in my own logical thinking, when I go to choose somebody, I'm choosing someone with at least an MBA degree. MBA, BA, a master's degree, maybe a doctorate. That's icing on the cake. Somebody who's at least really smart. I mean, if I'm going to use them to shake the world, I have to use somebody who has some type of education. But God doesn't choose like that. God's methodologies do not make sense. And so when you look at your life and you look at some things that you are going through right now, they may not make sense right now, but I guarantee you when you get to the end of that road that God has called you to walk down, it will make sense. You remember that scripture that says, and Jesus was saying to his disciples when he was washing their feet, it doesn't make sense for a master to wash the peasant's feet. It should be the other way around. And you know what Jesus said, Aaron? And I felt this, even this word for you this morning, for you and your wife. He says, you don't understand what I'm doing now, but you will hereafter. You will not understand this now. Some people start at the height of ministry and at the end of their life, there's a shift, there's a change and they don't understand this desert road that the spirit says, I want you to walk down this. Because down this desert road, down this difficulty lies your destiny. It may not look like it's going to be used to strengthen you. It may not look like it's going to impart wisdom into your life. It doesn't look like it's going to contribute much great, but much uh, um, uh, wisdom in your life or strength. But I'm, I'm going to tell you this. After you go down that road, you will know hereafter why I called you to go down this road. Because God does things different. We don't understand his methodology. His methodologies do not make sense. Somebody say, God doesn't make sense at times. God told an army, the army of Gideon, that had 32,000 soldiers who were going up against another sizable army. God goes to them and tells them, you have too many. I want you to get rid of some of your team. I mean, if you're going to fight another army, wisdom says we've got to get as many people as we can to ensure victory. God doesn't think like that. As a matter of fact, the number that they have, he asked them to reduce it down to 300 men, not just 300 men. He tells them to go, go, here's how I want you to choose your men. I want you to take them down to the brook and every man who eats or drinks, you know, with half, you know, with some kind of manners. My mom would always say when we were at the dinner table, use your manners, boy. You know, we were country and we would eat like animals, you know, we we're Southerners, you know, 200-pound boys. He's, they're laughing. She, she knows she's shaking her head because I'm putting her out there. But she said, use your manners, boy. And we would just eat, like, I mean, quick. I mean, she's like, did you even chew that food? I remember that growing up. Did you chew that food? So, so here's how God chooses these men. He says, listen, I don't want you to choose any of those men who go down to the brook and drink with their hands. I want you to choose the guys who lap up that water like a dog. And those are the 300 men I want you to choose in your army. 
Why? Because God doesn't make sense. I was talking to a guy the other day. He's actually one of my close friends. He works for me, and he's Muslim, and one of the most godly men I've ever known, but he's Muslim, and his, his name is Fidel, and, and I shared with him about the virgin birth and about Jesus. He said, I understand that Jesus is a prophet because he's Muslim. They believe that Jesus is a prophet, but they do not believe he's the son of God. To say that is blasphemy to them. And you know the first thing he says to me? That doesn't make any why would God, who's on the throne, in his mind, he said, he, they think that God won't do anything like that because in his mind, a virgin birth doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense to get five loaves and two fish from a little boy. Why not just use a little bit extra money and go down to Merida Bread to buy more bread and maybe go to the fish market to buy more fish to feed 5,000 people because God likes to do things that don't make sense. Why does God do things that don't make sense? Because he wants to get the credit. He don't want to give you the credit. Because if there's anybody in this world that should be, and it's not that God is prideful, but God is and he's not selfish, but he does things to always bring glory to himself. And do you know why you were created? To bring him glory. And so God will create things in your life. He'll create situations. He'll connect you with relationships. He'll put you in a specific job. Sometimes, I didn't say cause it, but he will allow ailments. Why? To make his strength perfect in weakness because God doesn't make sense. Somebody say God doesn't make sense. He told Peter to go fishing, and he, he told him to go fishing, not just to go fishing out of enjoyment, but because they needed money to get into the temple, and they needed some temple tax. God doesn't tell him to go to work. When my kids, we have a teenager, and she said, I want to start buying makeup and things like that, and I want a car, and I want a phone. I said, oh, that's great. I'm going to take care of all your essential needs, but all the little icings on the cake, you're going to think I'm a bad dad, but I'm going to tell you right now, now she's a manager now that she's been working for three years. But here's what I said. Go get a job. If I were Jesus, I wouldn't have let Peter take the easy way out. He tells Peter in order to go get some money so that they can pay temple tax to get into the temple, the church, he says, I want you to go down to the bay and cast your hook in the water in the first Catch that you get, pull them up, and it had money in its mouth. Because God does things that do not make sense. You guys look like I'm boring you. In your... God does things that don't make sense. Jesus hears one of his close friends by the name of Lazarus. Say Lazarus. He's dying. And, and, and not only does Jesus not rush, but he waits for Lazarus to get really dead. Four days. He doesn't just wait for him to die and then show up on the scene. I would at least, I mean, this is me, maybe where my faith is, where he's like almost, you know, almost dead, but he's still alive where there's still a chance and then lay hands and prophesy and believe and jerk him up a little bit, try to, you know, resurrect him. No, Jesus doesn't do that. He waits for the guy to be really dead. Let it get really bad. Why did he do that? He wanted to do something that didn't make sense so that when he came to the tomb, no man, no woman, no music, no church would be glorified, but only Jesus. And when God does things in our life that does not make sense, only he gets the credit. 
Do you know why I give him so much glory in my life? Do you know why it's so easy for me to catch a praise? Because when I think of the goodness of God and all that he's done for me, and if you just take a moment, if you look back over your life when you should have been dead, when you should have given up, when you could have, when you could have lost it all, somehow, someway, God did something in your life that did not make sense. And he came through and he showed himself strong and flexed his muscles and let you see that he still parts red seas. He still heals sick bodies. He still raises the spiritual dead and raises the physical dead. Come on, somebody say amen to that. So I want to preach a message to you this morning that's called, This Makes No Sense. This makes no sense. He tells Philip, go down this dirty, dusty road, and he gives him no other instruction. If he would have gave a guy like me that kind of instruction, I would have said, you want to give me coordinates, Lord? You know, what does this lead to? Is there somebody I'm supposed to minister to? What color is the car? Which way do I turn? Come on, is anybody like that? Who's, I know David's here, so I know there's one other person in here that's like me who needs a little bit more instruction So I want to give you my first point based on this, what I'm teaching this morning. Somebody say, this doesn't make sense. One thing I identified that Philip did is that he obeyed without clarity. Do you know why many people do not obey the Lord in their life? Is because they don't have clarity. He, they, they, when he sometimes, am I the only one? When, when God lacks details in some areas, you will justify your disobedience. Yeah. Yeah. If he tells you to go to school, let me make it practical. If he tells you to go to school, get a degree. In order for you to slow God down because of your own insecurities and your own disobedience, what school? You start asking more details. What school do I go to? I don't have a vehicle. We start making all these different types of excuses. God doesn't want your excuses. He wants your obedience. See, we don't talk about this anymore. I often say this because it doesn't fill churches, but God is looking for an obedient people and to obey quickly. You know what the scripture says? We quote this all the time. If you are willing and obedient, we talk about we're going to eat the good of the land, the fat of the land. But the Bible says, if you are willing and you're obedient, then you will eat the good of the land. It takes willingness and it takes obedience if you're going to eat the goodness of God. Come on, can somebody say amen to that? So, so let me read this again. Say obedience without clarity. It says, now the angel of the Lord spoke to Philip saying, arise and go toward the south along the road, which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and he went. God will often give you instructions without giving details. I've said that, but sometimes he will tell you the end and not the middle, or sometimes he will tell you the first step and then all of a sudden seemingly leave you out to dry as if the promise that he has made you is a thousand miles away. The Lord rarely gives you full disclosure. Did you hear what I said? Do you remember the visitation that I had last, last, right before the pandemic hit, five weeks before the pandemic hit, and the Lord told me clear, clearly, and it was like a clarion call. It was louder than that trumpet that Tamaki was blowing earlier in my spirit. Y'all were supposed to laugh. 
I mean, it was like a trumpet in my heart. And I heard the Lord say, tell my people I'm coming. That was like a desert road for me. Okay, tell my people I'm coming. And so I go to tell his people he's coming and and to prepare for what is coming to America. And five weeks later, the pandemic hits. What, What am I trying to say? Is that he told me the first step, but he didn't tell me that a pandemic was coming. He didn't tell me that people were going to start getting sick. He didn't tell me that all of this chaos was going to get, begin to ensue. But, but you, sometimes you have to obey without clarity. The other day, my wife got on me a little bit, and a little bit of pride rose up in me. I'm sorry to bust your bubble. I'm not perfect. Look at somebody and say, you know you're not perfect. Even if you got to look behind you. Look behind you, Mark. It's okay. Nobody's to your right. Say, you know you're not perfect. I had lost out on an opportunity to, to speak to someone what I felt the Lord shared to me. She said, why, why, did, you, why, did, you, why did you wait? You, you have to sometimes obey. And sometimes, here's what I have found. Are you ready? Can I just teach you this little prophetic uh, tool that I use? Oftentimes, God will tell me to prophesy one thing or just a word, and, and then oftentimes I don't release it because it's not enough. But here's what I found out when I just start with the five loaves and the two fish and just at least get the one word out, then prophetically, the word will begin to, look, he knows exactly what I'm talking about. It will begin to come out like a river. But oftentimes, God, see, you don't have to use your faith if God gives you the whole word for somebody. But oftentimes, I found out when I release that one word, the Holy Spirit will begin to well up in my belly and it will begin to come out like rivers of living water. Why does God have you to obey without clarity? Because if you obey without clarity, it requires you to use something that God values above anything else. It's called your faith. The Bible says, the Bible says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Look at somebody and say, you can't, you can't please God without faith. Faith is what pleases him, Ben. Faith is what pleases him. Our obedience is what pleases him. And so when you know too much of the story, your strategies, your human wisdom, your understanding kicks in and the opportunity for God to receive glory gets removed from the equation I'm going to read that again. I want to drive this home to you. Now, the angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, and he said, go down along the road, which goes to Jerusalem, to Gaza. This is desert. And so he arose and he went. Sometimes God will lead you down roads that seem like they lead to nowhere. Has anybody ever felt, am I the only guy who's gone through seasons like that where God tells you to do something and it seems unfruitful? Am I the only one? God tells you to start a job. God has you connect with a certain relationship. God tells you to start a church. And it it doesn't always look like what he promised or it seems like it's not as fruitful in your life as he promised. You know, There was a time that I felt that I needed to help God. There's a lot of times I feel that God needs my help. Has anybody ever felt that? I mean, really, like, God, you're you're just not hurrying. You just need a little bit of help. Peter thought he needed his help. There's many of the disciples that thought they needed to help Jesus. Look at somebody and say, God doesn't need your help. Come on, look at him square in the eye. God doesn't need your help. 
So, so I love my house. God blessed me. I, I just, I love my house. And um, many of you know, I, I grew up, we didn't have the most money. And, uh, you know, most of my uh, childhood and young adult life, I, I slept on the floor. We slept on, so we're Southerners, so we call them pallets. Do people still call them pallets? See somebody from the Netherlands like, what is a pallet? A pallet is just nothing more than a cover folded in half to make the hard wood floor or carpet bearable. So we slept on pallets. And um, I wasn't looking for a home. I, I didn't want another home. I liked my mortgage payment the way that it was. But sometimes God gives you a female, and fee it gives a connotation that they cost money, and my wife costs money, so female, she just, they, they cost money. If you're not married, you know, make sure you have a nice job and you get paid well. Say amen, uh, Aaron. So, so this, is a, this is truly a funny story. I'm being funny, but this, this is an amazing story. My wife goes on this app called Let Go, and she uh, goes to this house. We're buying a little scooter for our daughter, or was it one of those hover-round it's not a hover around. It's something that, you know, gliders so she can learn to walk. Our daughter, Zoe, she was one at the time. We got this house about two years ago. And um, my wife sees this house, and it's hosted by open door, so you can digitally go in the house. And she goes in this house, and it's the exact layout that's what I like. I really like open forums. I like, uh, I don't like chopped up homes. I like openness you know, open, airy, you know, so when you open the door, you can, you know, see the pool, and it's just big, because I like to host and be with friends and family, and so, so she sends me the video, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I like everything about this house, and so we immediately put in an offer, immediately, uh, so there were some other individuals looking there as well, so we looked at it about two times, and, and everything about it rung the bells in our own heart, and the Lord began, began to confirm this is the house for you. Only house we looked at. We didn't go house shopping. There was no house shopping. We put the offer in. And uh, I think we offered just below the full asking. It was almost close enough. She can brush up the story if I get something wrong. And so, so a couple days later, uh, they tell us that uh, the offer, uh, somebody else made an offer that was a little bit more appealing, and they went, they went with the offer. And I'm going to tell you right now, I was like, you missed it. Lord, you missed it. You never felt that way? Like, Lord, you missed this one. I obeyed you. I went down this road. And, and here's the short end of the story. For the next three months, I mean, we went on an upset spiritual shopping spree for a house. Like, the Lord wants us to have a house. He confirmed. Maybe it just wasn't that one. Maybe we missed it. But it was our number one choice. And, and we, we, she said she knows it was ours. And I felt peace about it. I mean, even the road is called Will It. Like, I'm like, the Lord wills it, you know? It's just, I just felt peace about it, even the name. And so we go on this spree for three months, and we looked at dozens of houses. We put in several offers, and this house was just gone. We had second choices, but just nothing rung the bell like this Willet house. And here's, here's how it ended up happening. So we're three months in. Our house is literally sold. We put a couple thousand dollars in our escrow account. This the what you put into a certain account to purchase the, the home you're going to buy. We put money in the escrow account. I paid several hundred dollars to have an inspection done, roof inspections, so for an inspector to go out to this new house that we're buying. But it still was the number two house. It was not Willet. And so our house is being shown. 
This is the last day. We've already put money in the escrow account for house number two. We have wrote them a nice, long, teary-eyed letter and tell them how much we love their house, but it still wasn't number one house. And so literally, closing is happening the following day. So we have a showing. We leave the house, and as we're outside of our driveway, we're letting our house be shown to the people who are buying our house just weeks later. Um, Stephanie goes on her phone, and she just looks if Willet is still, uh, if it's still under contract and sold. She, oh, yeah, she wanted to see what it was sold for. And so she goes on there to see what it was sold for because th- those hopes were dashed and crashing into rocks. And, and it says available. And so we call our realtor right away. And you can imagine our realtor, what she says, I've done all this work. She, she gasped. And, she's, and we said, we want to give, give an offer on this house. She said, you got to be kidding me. We're about to close. The short story is, if we felt that we were led down that road, we were very disappointed, and God opened the door, and we got our number one house. It's so, she said, I should have told the story. It was an amazing story, but sometimes God will lead you down roads just to see, you know what he wanted to see? I think I failed that test, because I, I just, Lord, you just missed it, and maybe I missed it. I don't know what it was, but I went down this road exercising my faith. My faith was dashed, and I tried to move on from it. God never wanted me to move on, but he wanted to see where my faith was at. And sometimes God will allow, your, allow you to go down a road, and it seems like he's left you. It seems like he's forsaken you, not because he has, but because he wants to see how you react in faith. Because he, God's ultimate goal, and I say this often to you guys, is not to give you prestige and pleasure. His goal is for you to grow in your faith. You know, I have people that come to me often who want to be promoted in ministry. Hope you're listening. And anybody who wants to, I, 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 do, not, I do not promote them who are too hungry. If they're too hungry, you, you don't use them. That's a wisdom tip, and just, just in case. Anybody who wants power is crazy. Anybody who wants to lead things Because here's what you're saying yes to. Yes to a headache. Yes to your privacy being gone. Yes, you're going to get promoted. But more promotion, you got more devils, more headache, more people pulling on you, more access for people to come and ask you questions. You know, especially if you like your own privacy. So so God will sometimes put you in in positions to grow you, to expand your faith, and, and and to develop the fruit of the Spirit in your life. How many want to grow? So he'll put you in positions that that cause you to not be comfortable, but to cause you to grow. And that's what he wants to do this morning, I believe, in our lives. And you you have to be careful that you obey when he gives you the instructions initially. Amen? Just like Philip did. And listen, here's what I found out. The more foolish the instruction seems, the more fruitful it is. Did you hear what I just said? The more foolish the instruction seems, the more fruitful the outcome. The more foolish it looks like your faith is being put to work, it's all an opportunity for you to grow, to grow in your faith and for God to exercise miracles. Amen? And he gets no pleasure out of giving you all the details. He gets pleasure out of things that cause your faith to be activated. Amen? Number two, are you ready? We don't like this one. Obey without hesitation. 
Did you see Philip, his reaction? Now the angel of the Lord came to Philip saying, arise. And he, of course he went and it says, this is desert. Now watch what the end of the verse says. So he arose and he went. Everybody say he obeyed quickly. He obeyed quickly. He obeyed without hesitation. And can I tell you, in the body of Christ, in the kingdom of God, timing is everything. When you're a kid, timing means nothing. When you're a teenager, timing doesn't mean everything. When you're older and have a few years behind your back, timing is everything. I've got a friend of mine who came to me this week, and he's a good friend of mine. He's in his 60s. And he said to me, I don't have much time left, so I've got to be strategic in what I do in life. And that, that is so true. As you grow in the Lord, even now, all of you, I want to say this to you. We are living in the type of days that I don't care if you're 15 and I don't care if you're 50 or you're 70. We all don't have much time. And we all have to maximize the moments and the time that God has allotted to us. But time is everything in the kingdom. And God knew exactly when and where that chariot would be. And it was critical that Philip obeyed quickly. You know, there are times that God has told me to go somewhere and I've gone there and just the right person I met at that specific time. And listen, many people miss out on God windows. I call them windows, say windows. We miss out on opportunities, not because we disobeyed, but we delayed our obedience. And when you delay obedience, you can miss God. Imagine if Peter would have walked on water without Jesus being present, calling him on the sea. So what you do is just as important as when you do it. So when he, you remember when Jesus' mother said this, whatever he says to you, do it. Somebody say, do it quickly. When the Lord says to do something, you have to do it quickly. And there are tons of people that I know, and there are people in this room, and there are people who are watching by way of live stream that I know who love God genuinely and would give their right arm for God. They would give their lives to God, but they miss Many people miss windows of opportunity because of delayed obedience, not just disobedience, but delayed obedience is disobedience. This past week, God laid it on my heart to call somebody, and I'm so glad I did because, and a thousand things came to my mind before I called this individual, and I just felt the prod of the Lord, and I knew this opportunity wouldn't come again. I knew I should obey quickly, but I'm just telling you, the enemy put 30 other things in my mind to do versus make this phone call. And so I picked up the phone. I said, I better not delay. And I called, and this person began to weep like a baby as I called them, and they said this to me. You have no idea the, the divine timing of you just calling me. This person was just in the middle of doing something, and she said, this is a confirmation. And all of a sudden, as I obeyed, I just knew to call. I didn't know what to say. I was using my faith. I just knew to call. The Lord didn't say, here's what I want you to say. He just said, go down this desert road. Did you hear what I said? Look at somebody and say, just go down the desert road. Just go down this desert road. I'm, I'm speaking metaphorically. He said, just call this person. He didn't give me instructions. He didn't give me a word. As soon as I, she picked up the phone, I called and prophecy began to well up out of my belly like a river. And I could almost see her in a fetal position crying. And just she wasn't in a fetal position, but she could barely talk. And the Lord was just ministering to her. And this, I believe, has completely turned her relationship with the Lord around. And God began to break through. And God began to say, this chapter of your life is over. This, and there's many people who are in 
I feel that even for somebody in here, this wintry chapter, this, 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 this darkness that you've been in, I believe that there's people who are listening by, uh, by Facebook Live, there's people that are in this room that God is saying even this morning, I'm about to end this chapter of your life and you're about to see a whole nother chapter, a chapter that is not gonna look like the past. A, past, a, a chapter that's gonna be full of prosperity. But sometimes God will bring you down desert roads just to see if you're faithful in the desert road. But if you're not faithful to him in a desert road, trust me, you will not be faithful in him in prosperity. And if you're not faithful with not having stuff, you certainly won't be faithful to him when you have much. You know what David said, the psalmist David, the king of Israel, one of the greatest kings that ever have ever lived. He said, Lord, don't, don't keep me broke, least I forget. He said, don't, don't give me too much, least I forget your law. And he also said, listen, don't let me starve, least I steal. God wants us all to be faithful. He wants us all to have what, what the apostle Paul had. He said, I've learned to be abased and I've learned to abound. I've learned to be hungry and I've learned what it is to be full. Somebody say obey without hesitation. All throughout scripture, timing is everything. Not just in this particular portion of scripture that we're reading in Acts chapter eight, but all throughout scripture. And Jesus gave instruction to his disciples many times throughout the Bible and their timing was impeccable. Their timing was critical. That's the word I was looking for. And it was impeccable. After fishing all night, you remember when the disciples caught nothing, the Bible says? And these were professional fishermen. And then they knew what they were doing. Jesus wasn't a professional. Well, he's a professional fisher of men, but he wasn't a professional fisherman. I mean, I guess he's professional because he made the trade. But you get what I'm saying. Jesus wasn't a tradesman. He wasn't a fisherman. He didn't, he, didn't, uh, he didn't gather fish. He didn't put his fishing pole in the water often, not like Peter did. Peter was born and raised to do that trade. And when Peter comes in after fishing all night long, here's what Jesus says. Did you catch anything? He says, no, we've toiled all night. He says, go send your boat out, cast your net on the right side of the boat. Listen to Jesus's instruction because Peter was doing something outside of not necessarily his obedience, but without instruction. See, it's different doing something without instruction. When you do something, when it's instruction based on what the Holy Spirit has given you, you'll see prosperity. You'll see God's favor. You'll see God's blessing. But when you do things outside of his instruction, you will see nothing. Amen? And so Peter throws his net on the right side of the boat, and the Bible says that he got such a huge catch that even the nets were breaking so God blessed him. Why? Because he obeyed without hesitating. Somebody say obedience without hesitating means everything. You remember what Peter said? He said, Lord, I've toiled all night long and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word. Everybody say, do it at his word. And secondly, Jesus tells his disciples to pe prepare for the Passover. Do you remember that? Jesus is preparing for burial. He's preparing to go to the cross and they're eating in the upper room. And Jesus gave his disciples an instruction. He said, listen, I want you, listen to the specific instructions that he gave his disciples. I want you to go out into the city and you're gonna find a cult that no one has sat on before. So it was a young cult, say a young cult. It was a donkey. Because Jesus was going to come in, not riding on a high horse. He was going to come in riding lowly on a donkey, the Bible says, to display his humility and his kingship. Remember when he came into the city and they were all screaming and shouting, Hosanna? You remember that? 
And so he tells his disciples to go out and find a donkey's colt. And he goes out and the Bible says it was exactly the way that Jesus said it. Why? They obeyed without hesitating because when you obey without hesitating, God has something set up strategically, some kind of blessing, some kind of favor that God wants you to walk into. And it's critical in this hour in particular to obey God without hesitation. Say obey God without hesitation. Do you know how we're going to obey God without hesitation? Sometimes people miss it, not because they would hesitate if they heard, but because we have an underdeveloped sensitivity to the Holy Spirit to hear what he's leading you to do. Did you hear what I just said? So we have to develop a sensitivity. I don't think we do well as the church to teach people this. We have to develop a sensitivity. Somebody just lift your hands up and say this. I want you to say this. Lord, Help my sensitivity to hear your voice. Watch what it says in this verse. The Spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. There are many people who I know, they wouldn't wouldn't miss church on Sunday. They love the Lord Jesus. I know a lot of great leaders, a lot of amazing leaders, but I don't know many people who are sensitive to the Holy Spirit. I don't know many. Do you know what God is looking for? I heard a minister say this recently. You know what he's looking for, Tamaki? He's looking for friends. He's looking for people. The Lord himself is looking for people to share his heart with. He's looking for people to share his secrets with. The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. We have to, as a church, every person listening to me, even on live stream, and everybody who's in this place today, we have to learn to live a consecrated life so that we can be sensitive to the spirit. If if you look at Philip, when he's obeying the Holy Spirit, it's not like these were road signs, physical road signs for him to obey. He had this this sixth sense, if you will. It's called discernment. It's called discerning what the heart of the Lord is. It's discerning what the Holy Spirit of God is speaking. Can I tell you, this is my primary goal in life. I have no other goals, maybe some earthly ones, but I mean, this is my primary. Nothing comes close to this. Nothing comes close to this one thing. (laughs) This one thing I have desired is to develop a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. Is to develop, I know this may sound far-fetched, to develop almost that same relationship that, that Adam had in the garden when he walks with God and he talks with God. He heard what the Spirit was saying. Turn left, do this, don't do that. The Holy Spirit is known in the scriptures, all throughout scriptures. He has names. And the Holy Spirit, I have to tell you this, he's a person. Say he's a person. So my primary goal is to have this keen awareness of the leadership of the Holy Spirit because he is a leader. The Bible describes him as a guide. He will guide you into all truth. That's what the Holy Spirit does. You wonder why we get caught up in such lies and we can't discern what's right and wrong on the TV screen, whether it's Newsmax or whether it's Fox TV. 
because we don't have the guide. We don't have a developed sensitivity. We cannot decipher truth because the Holy, we don't have a developed sense for the Holy Spirit. He's also called the helper. He is to help you. He is to assist you in what you cannot do in your own strength. Is everybody hearing what I'm saying this morning? Are you hearing my heart? He is the revealer of God's mysteries. He reveals truth. Remember when he's, Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will lead you and guide you into all truth. But he says, he will bring to your remembrance of things that I said. Remember that? He's the revealer of the mysteries of God. He reveals things to you. He speaks things to you. I've, I've come up out of my sleep with almost a loud, audible voice. Don't think I'm crazy. I'm, I'm just... It hasn't happened to me, but maybe a handful of times. But the Holy Spirit has spoken so loud in my spirit, it was almost audible. This is the kind of sensitivity that the Holy Spirit wants us to develop, that God wants us to develop. Because can I tell you this? God is not here on the earth. That may shock some of you. Did you hear what I just said? God, meaning the Father. So everybody say the Father. That's what I, that's what I mean when I say God, because the Holy Spirit is God. God the Father is not here on earth. And this may shock the right side. Jesus is not here on the earth. But guess who's here? The Holy Spirit. The third person of the Trinity. God is on his throne. Jesus is at the right hand. The Holy Spirit is here continuing the work of Jesus. Establishing and continuing the work that God has sent forth his son to do. Does everybody hear what I said? Say the Holy Spirit is a person. Say develop sensitivity to the Spirit. Do you know how much time and money and heartache we would avoid if we would develop a sensitivity to the Spirit of God? There's somebody who came to me recently. This is something very practical. He said, I, I, I wanted to help the church. I wanted to give to the church. He was talking about this church. He's not a congregant here. And he was just about crying. And he said, I wanted to just help the church. I wanted to give a, a, a sum of money, but uh, I, I lost $150,000 in a, it was a stock that he was investing into. I know a lot of clients who have a lot of stress. Some of them are very, very wealthy. And if you don't know stocks well, I mean, it's chances you're taking to lose money, also to gain money. But he put his investments into some stocks and he lost over six figures. And here's what I asked. Did you pray about investing into that stock? And the answer was no. So he wanted to do the right thing. But the problem was he didn't have a sensitivity developed as to what he was supposed to do. Do you know how many things I've bought? I recently, over a year ago, bought something and I just really wanted it. And I bought it, and it has cost me a lot of money, thousands of dollars. So even I and many of us need to develop a sensitivity. And a lot of people, uh, I, I went to go buy a gym. My friend said, did you, did you pray about it? And I laughed at him. But now that I've gotten older, he said, did you ask the Lord if you should do that? And I said, I laughed at him. I mocked him because I thought that was silly. Do I need to pray about what to eat? Do I need to pray about what to buy? But the reality is the Bible says to acknowledge him in all of our ways acknowledge him, and then he would direct our path. So many of us do not have our paths directed, not because we don't love God, but because we have this underdeveloped sensitivity. And this is why people end up oftentimes in the wrong careers, wrong relationships, sometimes wrong marriages. Hallelujah, hopefully not. God will work it out, don't worry. 
If you're in the right one, it's the, it's, it's the right one now. Amen? In the wrong church, sometimes people moving churches when they shouldn't. Come on, because they have an underdeveloped sensitivity. They go based off of their feelings, not what the Holy Spirit is saying. We are to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Now watch what 1 Corinthians says. I'm almost done. Look at somebody and say, he's almost done. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. In other words, he's saying there's an underdeveloped sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. Watch what it says in the Passions translation. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 as well. Someone living on an entirely human level rejects the revelations of God's Spirit. For they make no sense to him. He can't understand the revelation of the Holy Spirit because they are not, they are only discovered by the illumination of the Holy Spirit. I thought that was beautiful. And this is what most people do. They make decisions based on reasoning, intellect, and experience. And the problem with that is that most of our experience is based on hurt and loss, pain, and rejection, not truth. Did you hear what I said? Most of us make our decisions based on disappointment in the rearview mirror, but God longs for us to develop a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit so that we can be led by truth and reality, not feelings. See, I grew up under that type of teaching. We're not to be led by feelings. We're to be led by the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen? Can you stand? Number four, lastly, and I close. Getting ready to close. I've always wanted to do that. You should see some of my friends there are absolute goofs in the pulpit, but listen to, I want you to listen to this. Aaron, you will appreciate this. I hope. I'm gonna travel south on this scripture. We we read Acts chapter, we read Acts chapter eight. I want you to listen to this, Acts chapter eight, verse four. So I'm, I'm regressing, I'm digressing and going back to the previous text. Uh, I have not read yet, but I'm gonna read this for the first time, but it's the same, same uh, story, same individual. It still revolves around the life and theme of Philip. Everybody say Philip. Talking about Philip, which is one of the disciples. The scripture doesn't have a whole lot of content surrounding the life of Philip, but he was one of the disciples. And it says in in verse four through eight, therefore, those who were scattered and went everywhere preaching the word, then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. Now watch this. And the multitudes with one accord, say the whole city. And multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. There was revival in the city. Now, now why did I read that? I'll tell you why I read that. 
because his ministry started off great, shaking a city. And it almost seems like God demoted him. It almost seemed like God left him. You, see, see, the way us preachers think is that there should always be this progression. More people, bigger church. See, God doesn't, he doesn't do that. He doesn't look the way that man looks at things. So it almost seems like he demoted him. So he goes from shaking this city, miracles, signs, wonders, casting out demons, the lame walking, the blind seeing, multitudes being saved, salvation all over the city, to now his next instruction is to go down a desert road? Just because God in this season is using you on a smaller scale that you're not used to doesn't mean that you are on a smaller scale with God. He doesn't measure that way. As a matter of fact, this is the ultimate test. I'm young enough to not completely understand it, but I'm old enough to speak to this because I know what it's like to be on the backside of the desert, to be anointed in ministry and God seemingly demoting you saying, hey, your next journey is down this desert road. Is everybody listening to me? Some of the greatest tests of any man or woman of God is the test of being back to square one. I feel like the Lord is saying to somebody in here, you are not back at square one. You have never gone this way Pride in this world is seemingly needed in the corporate world. A quality decline the corporate ladder. But in the kingdom of God, it knocks you off the ladder. And the Spirit of God, you may not know this, we don't talk about this much, but the Spirit of God records your obedience in small things. He's recording your obedience in this small church. You know why many are not worthy of revival? Of a big revival? Because they're not even faithful protecting revival in their own heart. Or starting a revival in their own heart. Why would God give us a revival? So point number four is this. Before I say that, thank you, Lord. Look at Philip's attitude. He, he, he went without hesitation. He didn't hesitate and say, God, will you just use me in a city and now you're gonna ask me to go down a desert road with no other instruction to get one man saved? This is a demotion. He doesn't say that. Why? Because he remained flexible. In the kingdom, Aaron, it's always about remaining flexible. And do you know why people do not remain flexible? When I see somebody prideful in the ministry, it doesn't matter if it's a congregant or a clergyman, doesn't matter. They're not flexible because they're not broken and they haven't been broken. 
And can I tell you one requirement of the Holy Spirit in the kingdom of God? It's brokenness, Christina. Brokenness. I feel the Spirit of God. Brokenness makes you flexible. Brokenness makes you obedient. Broken, brokenness makes you usable in the kingdom of God. I know this sermon is entitled, This Makes No Sense, but if you look at the brokenness that God is creating in your life or in specific areas, oh, if you had eyes of the Spirit, it would make completely, complete sense. If you look at your life and you evaluate God is allowing, it makes sense. In the kingdom, brokenness makes sense. It makes you flexible. It makes you usable. I remember there was a time you didn't have tears. But brokenness has a way to give you one of the greatest gifts God can give an individual. Can I tell you what it is? Tears. We think that when God blesses us and we have a lot of joy in our life and everything is going right and we never get sick, that we're blessed and we're favored. But sometimes the best things God can give you is tears, is brokenness. Because brokenness makes you yielded. Come on, lift your hands to heaven. You know what David the psalmist said? It was good that I was afflicted. Now the Bible doesn't talk about any brokenness that Philip went through. It doesn't talk about it, but you can tell through his disposition. You could tell he could learn to be abased and learn to abound. He knew what it was like to be hungry. He knew what it was like to be full. He knew what it was like to shake nations, but he also knew what it was like to lead the one back to Jesus Christ. And you know, I know he went through brokenness because he was flexible. And David even said it. He said, it was good that I was afflicted because now I keep your word. If you look at the pain that God is allowing in your life, whatever that, whatever that thing is, if you, if you look at it long enough, it starts to make sense. When I look at my life and think about the murder of my father, when I, when I look at when I, when, I, when I look at the fact that my mom has gone through cancer three times and her son ministers and decrees healing and believes in the miraculous, oh, it all starts to make sense. It made sense when Smith Wigglesworth, who recorded 20 people in his ministry raised from the dead, it started making sense when I, when I started looking at his life and his biography that his kids were deaf and he lost, his, he lost one of his loved ones, his children. Oh, yet he was a healing evangelist. So your pain begins to make sense. Brokenness. And I pray that this morning, Lord, I pray that the person who's in this place who's facing something that does not make sense, I pray that you would help them, Lord. Help them even though it doesn't make sense. Help them to, help them to obey without all the clarity. Help them obey without hesitation to do whatever it is that you've called them to without any type of hesitation. I pray that you would help them 
I pray you would do this by the Spirit, Lord, by your Spirit. Help us to develop a sensitivity. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77977. Interested in hearing more? Check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.